Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast. As we're still kind of emerging from the bye week, this will be a little bit of a less traditional show. And the fact that it's not a first of the week review, we'll we'll touch on Clemson, talk about some of the things uh, that is at the end of the week. But we will have a full dedicated and damn if I'm not very excited, Bud, to actually do a Clemson preview where we talk about some of the finer intricacies of the matchup and aren't just talking about whether or not you're going to get beat by 20 or 30. So uh, this will not be the Clemson preview. We will talk about it, as I said, but there will be one coming and one that both of us are very excited to do. As always, we'll thank our title sponsor, Louisiana Hot Sauce, three simple ingredients, one fantastic product, title sponsor of the Nolcast, and the good people at Tarpon Cellars. Fantastic wine coming from a fantastic wine company. With the holidays right around the corner, don't show up empty-handy empty-handed tarpensellers.com coupon code nolcast 20% off some of the better uh, cabernets and other red offerings and they've got some great white stuff as well tarpensellers.com let's do it bud all right man let's do this thing so I I, I texted Ingram some notes he texted me some man you know the one thing uh obviously this is kind of my first chance to offer thoughts on UMass and the one thing we said wouldn't happen was UMass would not turn the ball over in a goal-to-go situation. They were number one in the country <laughs> at that point. Uh, and look what happened, man. UMass turns the ball over in that goal-to-go situation. Um, you know, I thought FSU was fairly crisp overall. They had a couple a couple sloppy things. But overall, like, if they spent that bye week and this UMass prep week working some UMass because you don't want to reinforce the, the bad habits of Jacksonville State where you, you lose to you know, to do a team like that. Uh, and maybe you got some work in, whether the kids knew it or not, right? Some of the concepts that you tell them that UMass runs, maybe mm-hmm. UMass doesn't actually run, wink, wink, and that maybe you're working on some stuff for future weeks. You know, you get some guys rested up. I thought they were, you know, fairly crisp. Uh, UMass offensively was an interesting, like, scrimmage-type test for, for this defense. Uh, UMass defensively, Man, they were as bad as as yeah. as all, all the power numbers said. I mean, that's uh, you you had anything you wanted, pretty much. And if you wanted to, you could have scored like eighty or ninety. I mean, you you got a couple touchdown drops. You only threw the ball what 10, 15 times in this game. Not much. Uh, overall, I mean, look, they they I don't say they needed that game, but they kind of needed a game where they just were able to go out there and get get the dub. On the board, uh, the one thing I wanted to point out to or point out is, and I think opponent matters here, obviously. I mean, it, it has to. Is secondary consistency. Uh, I am beginning to buy in somewhat on the consistency of the secondary. I don't know that they have their most athletic players out there, uh, but that's something I've noticed. Like they're tightening up the rotation a little bit with who they're actually running out there. They, in recent weeks, they have seemed to have um, somewhat fewer busts. Obviously, UMass, not a whole lot of busts. But also, uh, you know, Syracuse, fewer busts. The one thing that holds me back on this, of course, is that they did have some busts against North Carolina where those guys dropped the ball. Or luckily, the defensive pressure uh, of the front four uh, was able to get to Howell and force an, an inaccurate throw. If If this is truly remedied, this team is going to have a strong chance to win five games and who knows, maybe six games, right? Like if they can 
they're going to have to pull an upset, obviously. Uh, but if this is remedied and they are not allowing as many explosive plays on the back end, then they will have a shot to, to reach a bowl. If it's not, then we'll see it, it rear its ugly head here in, in the coming weeks because you are playing uh, some teams who can exploit you downfield, although maybe or maybe not this Clemson team. I, I, I have my doubts after seeing you know, what they've been doing recently. Certainly their, their offense is a hell of a lot better uh, than UMass's offense is. But I, that was kind of my, my one major takeaway uh, among the starters. The other thing <laughs> I wanted to ask you about is did you notice that UMass played the keep a whole lot? Like they wanted to make Jordan Travis hand the ball off. Yeah, I was I was a little surprised to see that. Um, I'd love to know what the what the broader strategy was there, other than just not letting Jordan beat you. I mean, I could certainly understand that, but I would think that. Uh, yeah, I don't know that anybody from UMass approached that game with the idea that they were necessarily going to win it, or at least in their heart hearts won it, but. I personally would try to get as many hits on Jordan Travis as possible. Uh, I would try to make him carry the ball at least a decent amount of times with the idea that then you maybe get into the the Purdy-Milton discussion. You obviously have to reshape what you're trying to do from a philosophical standpoint. That was surprising to me. Yeah, it was. Yeah, right. Like self-scouting, if you're UMass's defense, there's not much you do well, but you have to assume that FSU doesn't want Jordan to get that many hits on him, right? So why would you basically allow a game plan that basically said, yeah, go ahead and hand it off and just, and, and not, not take the hit. I, I would say I'm not going to win this game anyway, most likely, but uh, at least force the kid to do something that FSU's game plan probably doesn't want him to do. I, I just thought that was, I don't know, a, a little bit odd, um, but you know, okay. What else did you, uh, well, obviously I heard the instant, but um I guess the other two things that I want to bring up just from that game before we, we get into some other stuff. The Gibbons the, the, the Gibbons injury is, is, is really disappointing. It was. We, I was yeah. I took a very positive stretch on that that hopefully you just got a little knock and you decided to sit him the rest of the game. Cause the I mean, look, I've I've it with lesser ambiguity each week, I've basically told you for the last three or four weeks that Gibbons has been a game time decision, the Louisville game. Uh I was pretty sure Gibbons wasn't going to be able to go. It was why I was as pessimistic as I was when we recorded the the preview. Uh, Gibbons has been touch and go. My my hope was that you just decided to hold him out and let him have the rest of that game. Um, m- maybe sounds like there's more to it than just a decision that uh, somebody doesn't need to re-enter a game. Yeah, and we'll we'll see if he's able to play against Clemson. But I mean, what 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 have been the major keys to this team's turnaround? Um, you can believe that this team has had a complete mental turnaround. And I do think that the attitude in the building has improved. I think that Mike Gravel, to his credit and his staff's credit, uh, have found a way to cultivate some some player leaders here. And generally, the attitude in the building for the people I talk to uh, is is better. And, and the team is, is more together. But I believe the number one thing is health of players on offense, right? where you have very limited depth. It's Jordan Travis being healthy enough to practice a couple days in a row and run around. It's health of the offensive line. It's the health of the players that have allowed you to establish the identity that you have. Yes. Yeah. If if this offensive line gets hurt again, all this kumbaya crap, throw it out the window again because they're going to go right back. If, If they get a bunch of offensive line injuries again, they will lose every game from here on out. 
Well, it's that given simple. This, we know what the backups can do. They can't yeah. play. I don't know that you would be as successful with, with some of the counter looks and stuff that you do in the run game, but uh, Baby on or DLT are not the guys that you want to start having working your offense around as moving pieces on the offense line. By that, I mean pulling some of the things that you do. Uh, Baby on's played better. DLT hopefully has been benefited by a, a two-week rest year, and he can come back and, and look similar to the player that he was last year. But um, Gibbons is, a, again, I don't think you're going to have a ton of success with Clemson with some of that stuff. But uh, Gibbons is Gibbons and, and Washington are probably your, your two biggest pieces on the offensive line right now as far as what you can't afford to lose. So, and really, agree. you can label almost all of them that. I mean, like, like you said, you, you really can't afford to sustain anything more than you know, maybe a guy missing a game or something like that. So, um, yeah, man, I I thought that was that was interesting. About a forty minute show this morning, as we both have to go to work. And if you're watching YouTube, I think we just lost Ingram's camera feed briefly, but we will get him back in. If not, we will substitute an avatar. I do want to take this this moment to thank our friends at Legendary Home Loans Team eight four four FSU Loans eight four four FSU Loan. I uh, want to read an email here. Did you see this from Houston? Uh, said, hey, I want to thank you guys for always recommending Shannon Young. My wife and I recently closed on our new home a few days ago with the help of Shannon and his team. We purchased a new build uh, and with the world being what it is. We had so many setbacks. However, Shannon was able to navigate us through the process and towards that end was able to do our closing the moment we received our certificate of occupancy. I highly recommend every Noel to do business with Shannon because that level of service uh, and give a damn is rare. Awesome. Uh, now I can watch the Knowles frustrate me for my beautiful living room every Saturday. <laughs> Go Knowles. Awesome. Uh, cool. So uh, we will be sending them out some shirts to their beautiful house in uh, Denia Beach. Let's uh, let's go ahead and talk the second part about the game that I, that I liked, uh, which was you got to play some backups. Got to play that's, a lot of backups. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Like, hey, look at this. Actual and, garbage time. And some backups got to... Got to get a little taste for it. Absolutely. Had some defense alignment. Uh, good to see Cushney get a little burn. Great to see Jordan Young throw off a kid and, and get a touchdown. Purdy gets more playing time than than uh, he has in quite a while. Uh, yeah, it's great to see some of that rotation. Look, Lloyd Willis sighting. All the things that you can be optimistic about as far as how he projects long term. Got to see a little bit of that. Uh, but, yeah, it was it was great to see as much rotation as, as there was. So, um I mean, I'll tell you what, Purdy threw the ball better than I thought he would. That's he's, uh, he's still got an interesting throwing motion. Uh, it is, but when it gets out of his hand, it's uh, it's got some nice zip on it. That was encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that that is encouraging. Like, like it's granted, it's UMass. So I'm really just looking at like what Purdy does physically because again. He gets a better look from from FSU's backup defense in practice than than UMass, and especially because UMass had some of its own backups in at the time. So all you can really do is judge him based on like how did they operate the offense. They, they one thing that that I will say, if you want to look at like how well is a team coached, this is a very minor thing, but it, but it may be indicative of uh, how much they coach up and down the roster. When you get the second team and and the you know the, the the scrimmage squad in there. It doesn't look like a t like a, a total cluster, mm -hmm. right? You know those guys are being coached hard in practice as well. They didn't come in and have a million penalties. You know what I mean? Like they they came in and they looked maybe cohesive isn't the right word, but competent. 
right? Like they look like they were guys who have repped this stuff in practice before. And I, I think that's that's not a, a, a tiny thing. Um, okay, maybe it is a tiny thing, but it's a tiny thing that, I, that I, I'm choosing to read into a little bit. What Something else I think you should read into are guys who have been on this roster for two or three years who still didn't get into the game. Um, go look at the participation report there, right? I'm, I don't know, man. You you, you want to try to guess like like who won't be on this roster next year? I don't know. I I I, I don't know if some of these guys maybe were were hurt or you know had a, had a good or, or or bad week of practice. But go go look participation report and, and, and tell me you know guys. Seminoles.com has the participation report for games played so far this year. Right, DJ Lundy obviously, and all those guys lead the way with seven because FSU has played what seven games. Yeah, yep. Uh, now, guys on this roster who have not played any games: John McCluster, zero games, according to Seminoles.com. Jadarius Green McKnight, has he really played in zero games? Wow. Hmm. Uh, I, th- I thought for sure he had gotten in at some point, but apparently not. Uh, who else here? Um, Kobe Ghost or Gross, obviously Byron Turner, Patrick Payton. A couple of those guys are true freshmen. George Wilson, obviously. Did Rod Orr get in? I thought I remembered seeing Orr in with the Willis group. I could could have been wrong. Maybe on that. He did. I'm trying to remember now. Um, I thought I did. Yeah, but they, they may need to update this. Uh, update this participation report a little bit more fully. But I, I don't think that I saw uh, Green McKnight and McCluster in there on defense. Mm-hmm. But you did see some younger kids in those spots. Just saying. It, it, it's it's worth noting. Um, okay, some other stuff I wanted to go over here. And I don't know, how, how much did you get to watch some of these games this weekend? Uh, I, I got to watch a good bit of them on Monday morning uh, when I, I do upon further review on Cover 3. And so I, I, I didn't get to talk about these games, but I, I did go back and, and watch them. Um, I was watching a lot of baseball at the same time, but I, I certainly saw the Miami-NC State game. I mean, I, I had an awful lot of that on. Um, I was uh, very happy to see the Braves beat the Dodgers there. Had a little, little rogue number that I, that I picked off on the Braves <laughs> to win the NLCS about about a month ago. You did. So. I, I, we had even talked about this. I completely <laughs> forgot about that. Congratulations, sir. Yeah, Bud's been a Braves fan for about a month now, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, good for you. Good for you. That was it. Pay, paid for the baby moon. Um, <laughs> all right. So, as somebody who got a very good number on NC State, and uh, was allowed to get down a good good bit. I was pretty annoyed by that game. Uh, Devin Carter, NC State receiver. Mm-hmm. Mm. Two, let's call them, if not touchdowns, like long, long pass plays, right in your hands, nobody around you, dropped. Uh, Devin Carter targeted six times. One catch, 13 yards. Win probability added. Negative 18%. It is hard. It is hard for a receiver to have negative 18% win probability added, but he pulled it off without a turnover. I have never right? heard like, a stat like that. That no. is, uh, wow. Okay. Wow. That's uh, that's that's a fairly big deal. Um, 
So if you want to say, huh, should Miami have won that game? In some aspects, yeah. In some aspects, I don't know. Nobody was really around that kid when he, when he dropped those two balls. I, I felt really bad for him because he's, you know, he, he obviously nobody's around him. Uh, I do have some takeaways from this game, though. NC State is already without Cyrus Fagan, who was playing okay for them. They are out without Peyton Wilson, who I think we would maybe argue about the best linebacker in ACC, but would not argue one of the best linebackers mm-hmm. in ACC. And now they are without more, their other starting linebacker for the rest of the year. So now both of their linebackers, uh, you know, veteran experience, good players, are are done for the year, as is one of NC State's uh, starting guards. So other teams do suffer injuries too. I think FSU's injuries kind of came more in a cluster uh, to start the year uh, and at, at a spot they couldn't afford. But in watching this thing, man, I, I there's something going on with NC State's offense. And obviously, you know, part of it is is well, like I said, you can't have your one of your top receivers drop the ball that many times. Uh Miami what like they did allow the other two receivers to have a pretty high success rate. Uh, Thayer Thomas and Emeka Meze both had decent games, but they they didn't have like the volume of targets really to um, to impact the game, I guess, that much. Um, NC State did not run the ball all that well. I they were Miami was playing the run, and I thought NC State would have to throw its way out of it, and they really, in part because of those drops, Devin Leary had 300 yards, but it was on 42 throws, mm-hmm. so it wasn't like it wasn't quite enough to get it done. I will say this. I was a little bit skeptical about, about Tyler Van Dyke. He's yeah. played a couple nice games in a row. He played fairly well against UNC. I know he had the interception there at the end that was tipped up into the air. Uh, but in this game against NC State, 25 of 33 for 325, four touchdowns, a success rate of 50%. Yeah, good. Backs. That's good, good for him. It it had been a while since I've watched a game where I clearly saw a defense that wanted to knock a kid out of a game. The first quarter was uh was fun to watch. I mean, you yeah. know, it was uh fun to watch an NC State team try to hit that kid and whisper in his ear every opportunity they had. But uh, he he stayed in, delivered a really good performance, and yeah, hats off to him. That's better better play uh, quarterback play for Miami than I thought you'd get. Yeah, I I am surprised at how well this Miami team is keeping it together and still fighting, right? Like I know media outlets out there had the whole like, okay, who's the next coach up uh, thing for, for Miami ready to go if, if they were going to make a move, but they're, they have a youth movement going on. They've got a lot of their young players playing pretty well. And uh, Knight and the kid who we're all, all familiar with quite a bit because FSU recruited him. Uh, Jalen Knight had another pretty nice game. Now, From a success rate standpoint, it wasn't great on the ground, Uh, but they are throwing the ball to him quite a bit, actually. He had 83 yards. Uh, I don't think throwing the ball to the backs makes a lot of sense, actually, a lot of times. I think it's almost overused, unless you got a kid who's really, really dynamic in space. And Knighton is one of the most dynamic players in the ACC. Yeah, I mean, obviously inflated by the one big play against Carolina, but he had, what, 75 yards against them as well. I mean, the kid, he's a a He's everything that you thought he might be as a recruit. He's a, he's a nice player and good for Miami to kind of uh, back into that one. That's a, it's a nice little piece for them to build around. Uh, 
<clears throat> before we take a look at Boston College and, and continue to talk about Miami and their approach to addressing their roster, I want to thank our friends at Congruity. I want to thank a listener of ours uh, named Ashley. Ashley reached out to me over the weekend and said that she had uh, some real payroll problems, bud. And, and obviously payroll is a pretty important thing. And just, you know, you and I have a passing glance at a business realize that. But I didn't realize after talking to her some of the tax implications and some of the really bigger problems that can arise uh, if you have payroll issues. So uh, hopefully uh, I put her in touch with Matt. Hopefully that's a relationship uh, that could be beneficial. But uh, again, if you are somebody that's in charge of payroll or reports directly to somebody uh, that is and you having any issues, maybe looking for a new partner, uh, there are no better people that we would suggest, at least, than talking to Congruity and Matt Lewis, explore whether or not that would be a good fit for you, as Ashley is, and uh, keep them in mind. CongruityHR.com, Knowles at CongruityHR.com, uh, and if you want to reach out to me, whether it be uh, the Knollcast Gmail account or uh, instant, or, uh, instant message, uh, direct message on Twitter, whatever, I'd be happy to put you in touch with Matt, uh, as I have done uh, five or six of our listeners now. Dude, that is absolutely awesome news. Um, do you want to – since we just talked Miami and NC State, uh, I, I don't know. I, I guess I would say that just based on this game, uh, my thoughts on beating NC State are that FSU is slightly more likely to do it than I previously believed. Uh, although, am I saying that if this kid catches two wide open balls and he's previously been a, a solid receiver for them? I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um so maybe maybe that's just prisoner of the moment. I'm certainly not letting that game override what I've seen in the previous six NC State games or the previous six Miami games. But I do think it's fair to say uh, that Miami will test FSU secondary. Uh, ben Dyke has has thrown the ball very well in two consecutive games, and you can argue that he actually threw it very well uh, going back to the second half of the game prior to, to North Carolina as well. So. Harkening back to our conversation about 19 minutes ago, is this defensive secondary and its consistency and its communication improvement, will that carry over against teams that can throw the ball better? Uh, Or is it going to look more like UNC, where we're depending on kids dropping balls or the pressure up front to get to it uh, to make the difference? I I think we will find out pretty pretty soon there. I'm I'm not saying that FSU will be favored in those games. I'm not really sure that they will but they could be it's it's possible uh but they will have a chance to win both games both games will be in doke if they go up and put a respectable performance i think win or lose at clemson this weekend i I would expect the stands uh, especially for the miami game if they're able to you know to come back and 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 perform well against nc state a miami game crowd should be pretty nice the weather is going to be absolutely amazing in Tallahassee that, that time of year that just like fall Christmas, you know what I mean? Mm, oh yeah. Um, yeah. That's that's something to uh to to note here. Do you want to talk about Manny Diaz's comment about recruiting real quick? Yeah, let's do it. I mean, it's certainly a <laughs> reflection of the times and also uh it ain't exactly they aren't exactly lighting the high school trail on fire right now. But uh Diaz basically just said what <clears throat> many of coaches think right now. I'm pulling the quote up so I can get it exactly. But uh He said, quote, we live in an era now where you have a chance to dramatically improve your team year to year more in the past, saying that Miami will not sign anywhere near 25 high school recruits this year. So um, interesting to hear somebody say that. 
yeah, they're at eight and their recruiting class is, you know, in the Seymour section. Um, well, first of all, I think you probably need to extend Manny to let his uh, words on the trail carry that much more weight when he's talking to some of these kids. But uh, yeah, and also I think this is probably where Miami thinks their their niche is right now. I mean, they're, they're very, as much as we like to laugh about little, you know, baby micro IPF and some of the other things that they have going on. There's very few places, <laughs> college campuses in the world where you would not be like, well, hell, this would be a hell of a final place to spend a year of college right. or something like that. I mean, it fits their, their strengths uh, pretty well. So I can understand, and they've had some success with it, not as much this year, but in the past, they have probably harnessed the power of the portal as good as any program out there. So uh, I do think part of it's an acknowledgement that they're just not getting traction on the recruiting trail right now, the high school recruiting trail, for whatever reason. They've had some real nice pieces. And even at this point, if you're Manny and you were to sign uh, a decent high school class, I mean, I, I think you need uh, the the promise of the dramatic improvement uh, to get whoever you can behind you there. And uh, certainly transfers offer you the ability to dramatically improve instantly, even perhaps. Uh, at a, at a much greater manner than almost any high school kid would. I, I would agree with that. Um, <clears throat> I, I mean, look, Miami fans will, will tell you, and they're correct here, factually correct, that they have a better blue chip ratio in their class right now than Florida State does, right? They have five five blue chips and, and three, three not. FSU has, what, six and seven? Uh, Florida fans will, will, will tell you the same thing. I do think there is a, an element, though, and Diaz spoke about this on uh, on the radio. I think Monday or Sunday, when when he said, like, you know, fans like tweeting at recruits about how the program stinks or whatever he said uh, doesn't really help. I don't know if you saw that quote or not. It, it was uh, he said when we turn against ourselves, we basically end up poisoning pill, though, which is a which is a very true segment. Of course. Also, interesting the head coach blame the fans for lack of success in recruiting, but he, he is accurate in what he's saying. I mean, look that 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 is uh, that is an extremely front runner fan base. Uh, I think to some extent, a lot of the programs in the state of Florida are because we didn't have football for a hundred years and it just hasn't been ingrained family wise for quite as long. But especially in that city, because as they're fond to point out, there is so much to do. A lot right? of options. A lot of, a lot of options. options, and so uh, that that leads to a naturally sort of front running fan base. There, um, this is to FSU's benefit. I think if they can take advantage of it, Florida uh, had another uh, decommitment, I believe. What was it yesterday or uh, yeah, last night, uh, Julian Humphrey, uh, Texas corner backed off his, uh, his commitment to the Gators. So FSU right now, like they are not recruiting to the level that's going to win them a national title, uh, but they are recruiting better than they have in a couple of years. Their relationships seem to be lasting. They have uh, what do they have about seven weeks until the early signing period gets here. That's still a decent amount of time. Got to hold on. But if they can get an, another nice win or two down the stretch, maybe three, shoot, three would be wild. Uh, then they may they may have something here. Um, this is to their benefit, certainly. Now let's uh, let's talk a little Boston College. This is this is a team that that. Man, Ingram, uh, I feel really bad for Jeff Hathley because I, I think he is a rising star in the business. I, I really think this guy is going to be like a head coach of like a Penn State or Ohio State or, or maybe an NFL head coach someday. I, 
everything I see from this team, I, I generally like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, they, they've shown a lot of improvement defensively. When, when he got there, Dazio just let the defensive roster uh, completely rot. And they had a great kind of bounce back win uh, against Missouri in late September when, when quarterback Phil Dracovic went back. They, they were able to play the backup Dennis Grossell. And at the time, I was like, okay, that's that's pretty impressive, man. They, they found a way to get that win. With every passing week, we realize how bad Missouri's defense really is. Um, and post-game win expectancies here in recent weeks for Boston College. At Clemson, 20%. Okay. And then they get a bye week, so you figure maybe they can work some stuff out. Mm-mm. NC State at home, 1%. Now, we went over that game. They had some weird turnover stuff in that game. Maybe they were a little bit closer to, to, to NC State than we thought, or than the score shows. At Louisville, 0%. And you might think, wait a second, the score was 28-14. Why is it 0%? Louisville beat their butts on a down-to-down basis, and Louisville screwed around and turned it over four times and still had a comfortable multi-score win in which they had a two-touchdown lead for most of the second half and a three-touchdown lead, I believe, at some point. Uh, Grossell, 16 of 31 for 141, one touchdown, two picks, three sacks, success rate 29%. Now, look, that's not like a success rate of 10% or whatever, but if you are under 30% success rate throwing the football, that's not going to get it done, man. Um, he now has a negative touchdown to interception ratio. This is one of those games that I'm going to point to where I'm going to say, hey, it is very important that you do not have communication bust and errors in the secondary. Yeah, can't give it to him. Can't give right. it to him. I, I do not think that this guy can go out there and earn it against you if you make him earn it. Now, if you give it to him, okay. And I'm sure Boston College, whose defense is rapidly improving from like outside the top 100 last year to kind of the mid-60s this year, uh, I'm sure they'll have some kind of plan for Jordan and them. This is going to be one of those games where you're going to say, hey, defense, probably some cold weather up there. The FSU goes there on November 20th. Got, got to be sharp at the communication. Can't have bus. Make this kid earn it. You know, offense is probably not going to drop a 40-burger on him. Uh, you need to you need to go up there and win that game. I don't know what twenty eight twenty, something in that range twenty eight seventeen. But the offense has really fallen off for uh, for for Boston College quite a bit in recent weeks. Now they have carried the ball fairly well, uh, but I mean, so they went twenty four for one thirty nine against Louisville. That's not a bad day. And maybe they go more run heavy. FSU is a pretty good run defense. I mean, you like guys like Lundy playing downhill against the run. I like Lundy taking on blocks like that. I think you have a fairly good defensive front against the run. 139 yards is not going to get it done when you have a passing game like that that's really uh, that that ineffective. So as far as updates on, on future opponents – for the Knowles, that and, and we're we're omitting the Clemson one here because we're going to do a pretty good preview, I think, on Thursday about Clemson. Um, man, I, I got to tell you, like that is, that's not enough to get it done. I don't think that he's just not. I mean, negative, not a negative, but who boy, just 
not good enough throwing the football right now. Mm-hmm. Six to seven touchdown interception ratio, adjusted net yards per attempt, 4.6. Uh, the Receiver-wise, like we know that Zay Flowers and Jaden Gill can play. Like We've seen those guys catch balls from Dracovic and, and, and previous quarterbacks. They're not bad targets. Yet, with Grossell in there, yards per target to Jalen Gill, 7.1. Yards per target to Zay Flowers, 6.6. That's horrendous. I mean, that that's not good at all. He likes the tight end, Trey Berry. This is probably too much Boston College talk, but I'm just trying to let you guys know like what I saw from these games. I went through them all yesterday morning. And I, I generally like how I watch the games back is try to look to see what happened on um, – like the most important plays of the game. And then I go back and check the stats and say, okay, was there some consistency here that maybe some of the highlights didn't catch? And in this case, not really. I mean, you, you, you had some, you had some tough stuff here. That was, that was bad. Um, what happened here on this one? Oh yeah. They also allowed a punt return. So, I guess that, that'll do you in, certainly. Um, is there anyone wanna, else in the schedule we need to talk about? No, I mean, like you said, we'll, Florida didn't play. Yeah, uh, Florida's got their hands full this weekend. We can look at the, you know, your remaining conference games, and we'll do a big Clemson preview at the end of the week. Uh, if you want to spend a minute or two, we can look at Clemson. We can look at some S&P numbers. Uh, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Um, so SP Plus now has Florida State all the way up to 32nd in the country. Well, okay. That is pretty impressive, man. And that is over the line, right? That we said, hey, I don't really care what the record is. If they're there, that will show real, real improvement. And that line was like 50th, I think we said in the preseason. Last year they were what 85th or 90th or something like that. They were they were not a not a quality team. They were much closer to being winless than they were to being a bowl team last year. Uh so FPI has them at 54th. Where does where does uh where does Fermo happen? Let's see, pull it up here real quick. He has them at. Uh, oh man, they changed the site. Okay, here we go. Uh, and Fermo has them at forty seconds. So, look. Basically, all the ratings things think FSU is sort of in that second quartile. So not a top 30 team, but not a bottom half team in college football. I would agree with that standpoint, right? They are not a bottom half team in college football. They are also probably not in the upper quartile of all college football teams as far as their their season-long performance. They are playing pretty well right now, I will say, and that is to their credit. However, this thing looks at all of, of the inputs, which means like the Jacksonville State game still counts, as does the Notre Dame game. And Notre Dame was played at a time when I think Notre Dame was probably healthier than it has been uh, all year. Here's a couple things, though. And I remember my GChat conversation from with my friend Bill Connolly uh, on 926, which is the day after the Louisville game. And I've been talking to him about some stuff that I can't get into uh, about his model. And we always bounce stuff back and forth. And I, I remember we were discussing how to how to properly rate army one year because success rate is generally programmed on sort of the first second third down uh, type basis and army was like well we, we don't 
we don't play on a three down set. We play on a four down set. So it kind of fouled some things up and we were looking at it. But one thing that, that I have been, uh, I think that some stuff I can't say. Okay. Uh, I was telling him that I think that the system is overweighting the second halves against Wake and against Louisville because of how those opposing staffs played those games. Right? And, and speaking back to Florida State here? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Um, for instance, his model has a post-game win expectancy of 73% for FSU against Louisville. Yeah. I don't think so. Right? I, I Personally. Like, I... I that now because FSU stats in the second half were not technically within the definition of garbage time, right? I this is where like a computer model can't fully capture. It's much better than any kind of human model out there, as far as capturing the entire country. I think that a couple things to take away here. First of all, here's the post game expectancies in these games. Tell me which ones to you stand out, right? As maybe being correct or or not correct. So Notre Dame. 36%, uh, Jacksonville State, 47%, the Wake Forest game, 52%. Hmm. Okay. Do you feel like FSU was more likely to win that Wake Forest game than not? <laughs> That's That one surprises me. Yeah. yeah, and I get it because some of the some of the fluky turnovers and, and that, that, that type of stuff, they were probably closer than maybe the, the score indicated, uh, but I don't know that I fully buy what the computer system is seeing here. Louisville, 73%. I definitely don't think FSU was three quarters likely to win that game. Uh, Syracuse, 45%. So, mm. you know, were you lucky to win that game? Possibly. Uh, North Carolina, 84%. That one I think is bang on. Mm-hmm. FSU physically beat them pretty damn well. Yeah. And then UMass, 100%. So, here's, here's what, what I do like, though. Directionally, they're ranking by week, right? Like, each week, what was their SP plus rating? 50, 49, 64, 69, 73. That was after week four. Um, then 63, 55, 50, 32. What we're seeing here is that Wake Forest continues to win, despite the fact that Wake is crazy banged up on defense right now. I, I do think Wake will will drop a game because, I mean, they they are just so banged on, on, on defense. Um Syracuse has continued to win. They, they went on the road and beat Virginia Tech. Louisville has continued to win or at least look good. Uh, Notre Dame has continued to win. So your schedule strength uh, to date continues to improve. And the system is saying, hey, with each passing week, some of these some of these results look better. I just can't get there with them being 32nd right now. In my own personal power ratings, which I, I blend together a couple systems, I have them 41st. Which I think is like that's still sort of in that second quartile. That's still like a good football team. Yeah. Um, maybe I'm too slow to react on this. It's possible. I just can't get there with with the specifically with the game score, uh, like you know, post game game score type thing, not the actual score of the game with the Wake and Louisville one. Uh, but I just figured I'd explain how they got the thirty second right there. It's two dominant wins in recent weeks. It's all of the teams you've played so far continuing to win and look pretty good, or at least not looking bad. And, uh, you know, some of that, some of the garbage time stuff. It actually has FSU favored in three of their five remaining games. 
I'll take it. Now, now barely. <laughs> it also has them as a dog of, of 14 points to Clemson, despite the fact that it, it has downgraded Clemson in, in a pretty major way, uh, and a dog of 13 points in the Swamp. Mm. Yeah. I would have Florida as a bigger favorite over FSU than, than Clemson as a bigger favorite over FSU, I think. Um, just, I think Florida can score. Clemson, I don't know, we got a couple minutes here. Clemson could could implode. It's possible. Yeah. Their defense doesn't seem to be imploding at all, but, you know. Defense doesn't seem to be, but they have, they certainly have the, the trappings of a team that's kind of uh, teetering. I mean, when you're, and this is just a one-off play, and I'm not trying to make more of it, but when you got guys on defense that are, you know, more interested in flexing on a guy with three minutes left when they're down by 10 and ended up getting a, a personal foul thrown rather than trying to get the ball back. Uh, again, I think I think we as a collective media that cover this team have probably seen so much dysfunction in the last five years that we're quick to try to find it in every other program out there. And so we find these things. We're like, oh, we've, we've seen that before. Um, and, and like I said, I think we're probably – over eager to see uh, some of this stuff play out, but Clemson certainly looks like a program that's trying to, you know, kind of refine its voice and, and see how much buy-ins there. And, you know, when you test a roster with adversity for the first time and a roster that signed with you with the idea of them, you know, going to the playoffs every year, or certainly, you know, three out of four, if they're there that long, then how does the team deal with a more or less meaningless back half of the schedule? It'll be be fascinating to see what they do from a institutional perspective. And I will do a whole Clemson preview. I'm not trying to get there, but <clears throat> can you start strong against Clemson as an offense? Can you find the script of 2020 where you remember the whole fan base was like, well, let's just run the script again. Um, yeah. Can you start off? Can you get two or three first downs on the, can, you know, can you just put the seed of doubt? early and let that fan base who trust me, that fan base has got wants to blame everybody right now. I mean, they've all got a, an opinion as to where the problem is. And if you can go in there and, and get started and get the kind of collective uneasiness, uh, start to rise up. I, I really am eager to see what Saturday looks like. I, I would agree with that. Um, I went, to, I went, went to Florida state from 2003, to 2007, right? So seasons 03 to 06. I know what a really, really elite defense looks like when it starts to just get pissed off at its offense for being terrible. And there are some signs there mm-hmm. that that it reminds you. Like, wait, do you remember when Chris Ricks threw the unbelievably bad pick six against Maryland? I think was it Maryland or NC State? It was definitely a red team. Uh, on the screen pass when he like threw it like right to the guy standing in front of him. Yes, that yes. that reminded me. That you're talking about, yeah, yeah, that reminded me of DJ throwing throwing the pick on the shovel pass mm-hmm. that was take, take, taken back for pick six. Like the defense has got to be like, man, come on, like <laughs> we're we're holding Pitt's offense. Which I mean, I have Pitt right now as my number eight team in the country. Yeah, like in a year with with not great quarterback play nationally because that 2019 recruiting class that we talked about on the show is like, remember when I was out there to lead eleven. I was like, man, these dudes kind of suck. Like com- compared to what we had last year with like Trevor and Justin and those, like these guys, they, they ain't it. Uh, and the, like the documentary co- company was out there and they're like shooting the documentary on these guys. I'm like, man, you guys missed it by a year. Like last mm-hmm. year was the year to, to be out here. Uh, in a year without great quarterback play, I have Pitt as a top 10 team right now. 
Like I would have them favored over Oklahoma, mainly because Oklahoma is missing four of its five defensive starters in the secondary. So uh, pay attention to that, y'all. That's that's kind of important to actually know who is and who is not playing on the field. Uh, they their defense did a fine job against Pitt for the most mm-hmm. part. Would they allow twenty one offensive points to the Panthers? I think. Yeah. Yeah. No twenty. Did a good job in the red zone. Fought and. I mean, you you hold that pit offense to twenty points, you lose seventeen twenty seven. That that pick six on the shovel pass was kind of the, kind of the the play that was the the probably the the biggest like win probability play swing in the entire game. And mm-hmm. mm, tough. It'd be a fun game to preview. Really excited about this one. Great just to be able to go into a Clemson game. Obviously, they're not the program that they've been the last four or five years, or at least they're not the team. We'll have to see if they're still the program. Uh, But, hey, it's great uh, back half of the season. I honestly think, Bud, you could go one and four. I think you could go four and one. I mean, there is – I don't think you're going to run the table. I don't think you're going to get skunked. Uh, But I there is a wide berth as to what's possible here in – for a team who really thought, or at least a, a podcast that really thought we were going to be doing basically a post-mortem uh, of, <laughs> of, uh, of damn near every game uh, after the first two or three weeks. It's, it's great to have a program that's, uh, you know, excited and, and appears to be trending in the right direction as you enter the, the second half of the season here. All right. Most likely win, most likely loss. Real quick, and then we got to go. Most likely loss. <clears throat> mm. I'll still, yeah, that's tough. Uh, I'm going to say Florida. Uh, I'm going to say Florida. I mean, uh, we'll see how they are, but yeah. uh, I, I might have said NC State last week. Again, like you said, maybe we're just being prisoners of the moment, but uh, I would I would put Florida there. Most likely win Boston College. That's what I'm going to go with, too, just because until until the quarterback shows something, um, I, I yeah, like that's two weeks in a row against – decent ACC competition that he just they, they were not competitive mainly due to the quarterback position yeah all right cool, man. Bro. Good, good little early morning no cast we'll get this out to you guys uh and uh like we said we will be back most likely on Thursday with a full Clemson preview appreciate all the support that we uh received ever so fortunate to uh have the sponsors and just the general listening base that we do so thank you very much if you get a chance to give us five stars on iTunes like, subscribe, all the solicitation that everybody else gives you. Uh, we will as well. It's very impactful to the show and very much appreciated uh, if you guys can find the time uh, to do anything like that. So for myself, Bud, for the Table Restaurant Group, all the people that make uh, the Nolcast possible, uh, we'll see you in a couple of days. And here is to an exciting second half of the season. Let's do it, man. Say bye.